there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Are you interested in pursuing a career in communications or marketing or maybe both? If so, you are in for a treat because my next guest has worked doing just that in several different industries, and she's got lots of great insights to share. But before I introduce you to Dara Royer, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that gives you an exclusive look inside at the episodes and the professionals we're going to be featuring that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at Time the number 4coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my Java lovers, it is that time. So please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my wonderful next guest is Dara Royer, the Senior Vice President and Chief Communications Officer at Syracuse University. Dara stepped into this role a couple of years ago and serves as the first leader of a newly created marketing and communications division at Syracuse. In this role, Dara is responsible for oversight of internal and external marketing efforts, including media relations, strategic marketing campaigns, and brand stewardship. Prior to this job, Dara was Chief Development and Marketing Officer for Mercy Corps a leading global humanitarian and development nonprofit. At Mercy Corps, Dara and her team were responsible for private, corporate, and foundation fundraising, global marketing, and brand development. And before joining Mercy Corps, Dara was vice president of brand marketing at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, the largest healthcare charity in the world. Dara, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am. I have my Americano in hand and I'm ready to roll. Awesome. So I thought we could start a little bit about, maybe even a lot, with where you are now with this very impressive role that you have at Syracuse University. What does the Senior Vice President and Chief Communications Officer in the Marketing and Communications Division do, Dara? What are all your various responsibilities? So I wear a number of different hats in my role. Primarily, I'm responsible for the day-to-day operation of an integrated marketing and communications team. And, And I say integrated because there are a variety of different responsibilities that my team has. As you mentioned, from media relations to internal communications to standing up incredible image campaigns that really shine a bright light on Syracuse University, these are all things that my team is responsible for. At the end of the day, though, Ultimately, what my team is trying to do is purposefully share the Syracuse University story to try to encourage different audiences to think, feel, and want to do certain things. What does that mean? Convincing prospective students and their parents to come and consider attending Syracuse University, motivating our alumni to re-engage with us by either mentoring students or generously donating resources to support some of our important efforts. 
ultimately all of our communications is trying to motivate people to become loyal fans, supporters, students of the university. I mentioned I wear a couple different hats. I also sit as part of the Chancellor's Council. I'm a senior leader within the university as well and trying to make this university one of the best private universities in the world. I can imagine, Dara, because as you painted the picture there for the various responsibilities that you have, the various hats that you wear, that many or most of the focus in your outreach is online versus the way that it was certainly when you and I were going to school, which was very kind of focused on the print, on something tangible that you could hold in your hands. That's correct. And in fact, we have students from all 50 states, from more than 100 countries that ultimately become Syracuse University students. Well, how do they learn about us? For many of those students, their first touch point, if you will, is maybe doing a Google search and showing up on our website. The work that we do, the stories that we tell digitally through our different properties, be it our, I call it our mothership, uh, Syracuse.edu, or through social media, those are introductions for many individuals to see and to learn about us. And so you're right. Those become really important marketing vehicles, communications vehicles for people to be able to learn about the university. It signals an incredible shift from 10 years ago, even a number of years ago, where there was much more of an emphasis on things that we were sticking in the mail versus things that would pop up on people's smartphones. Absolutely. So how has that changed the skill sets? that you look for, Dara, in the people that you're bringing onto your team in the marketing and communications division? Yeah, well, I think this opens up incredible opportunities, even for recent graduates who really understand the demographic audiences that we're going after, what channels, if you will, the ways, the methods to reach those individuals. And so in terms of skill sets, as you ask, People, professionals who understand how to tell great stories in that kind of media are going to be really needed in our industry and highly sought after. There's another, though, skill set I'll say that often goes overlooked, which is the ability to understand data and information. Because people who can look behind the scenes, if you will, and see, oh, this is the engagement rate of this kind of audience in social media, or this is how much time our audiences are spending on a particular page on our website. That information is what will be the launch pad for the best and most effective kind of marketing campaigns and tactics. Individuals that really can find the insight and data are going to be very marketable and desired. Wonderful. So how is storytelling different in your view on social media versus on Syracuse Mothership, the Syracuse.edu, which would be the main website that people would come to to learn about the university and its life? Yeah. So, you know, I I saw a statistic recently that said the average American sees 10,000 
brand impressions every single day. So you know this and your listeners know this. We're inundated with information. When you're looking at something on your phone, you don't necessarily have time or patience for the, I'll call it the dissertation or the extensive long form story like you would read in a magazine per se. So understanding the medium is really mission critical in terms of telling the right kind of story. Specifically in social media, it might be a five word soundbite to tell the story with a great image or a very short video that might be 30 seconds to tell me the story. So people just don't have the attention span and it's not a great space if it's your handheld device to be able to consume a long form story. It's a little bit different in terms of the website. If people are consuming that information on their desktop, they might have a little bit more patience to read something in longer form. But even statistics there that say most people are looking at websites on their mobile device as well. So I think short and sweet is critical now in terms of storytelling. So you were mentioning on your phone, you would do 30 seconds or even a five second soundbite or video. On the website, what is the longest multimedia clip that you would use? And what is like the longest post that you might have? You know, I would say in terms of multimedia, I would not go over, we'd say a buck 30, which would be a minute and a half, 90 seconds. Most people will not even make it that long. It really depends. If it's a super compelling story, you might be able to make it a minute and a half. But again, shorter is better. And part of the key here is oftentimes we're showing people information because we want them to do something. So a lot of my experience has been in the fundraising world. And so you want to have a very short path between consumption of a story and then serving up, let's say, a link for them to be able to donate. So that's part of what you want to think about too, which is what do we want people to think, feel, and do as the result of engaging with this content? The longer the content, the longer the gap between them experiencing the story and taking the action you ultimately want them to take. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Dara, I'm going to be asking you about your time as an undergrad a little bit later in our interview, but I'm going to give the headline here. You didn't study any of this when you were an undergrad. You were a history major. And so in effect, you pretty much learned everything on the job. Is that a fair statement? That's a completely fair statement. And <laughs> it might be surprising to you and your listeners to know this, but that was a, a really intentional path that I took. I had a wonderful mentor who said, get a, a broad liberal arts education and then parallel path that with some great hands-on experience. And you know what? It worked for me. So in hindsight, what do you think the best way for our young listeners to start in this career is for someone who didn't study either marketing, branding, or communications in school? So number one, don't be apologetic about it. Part of what you want to do is have a great narrative and a great story for why you selected the major and the course of study that you uh, pursued and how the skills that you gained there are transferable and make you a strong candidate for the position that you're interested in. Because truly, 
what does a marketer and a communicator do at the end of the day? As we've talked about, you are helping tell compelling stories. Anyone can do that if they are outgoing and interested and a good listener. Those are skills that you can gain in basically any course of study. Yeah, and a good writer. And I want to say to your point, Dara, which I agree with 100%, there is a fabulous book out there called You Can Do Anything, The Surprising Power of a Useless Liberal Arts Degree. (laughs) And it's written by George Anders, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning feature writer at the Wall Street Journal. And today he's working at LinkedIn. And he tells so many compelling stories of incredibly successful people who were liberal arts majors and went into completely different careers. So I totally agree with you. So once they have that narrative down, once they are not defensive or apologetic, what do you think they can be doing right now in terms of helping to enhance their marketability as a young professional in this field, Dora? So hands-on experience is key. Uh, When I majored in history, I coupled that with eight internships. And even though I knew I wanted to pursue a career in television news, yes, I got hands-on experience working at a variety of different TV stations, but I also worked at two radio stations. I interned for a freelance magazine journalist Having a diverse array of experience and seeing your field from a variety of different vantage points will be very helpful for you. And as we talked about earlier, experience even outside of your field is helpful too. So let's say you volunteer, uh, tell a story about individuals that you met and how you got to know them and what you learned and how that taught you a life lesson that's applicable to the field. There are a variety of different ways that you can position yourself as being an appropriate person to hire by saying, basically, you've put yourself out there. You've gotten outside of your comfort zone. You've had a variety of different life experiences, and that's made you flexible, a good listener, and an ideal candidate for the position you're pursuing. I love that. And I suppose it shouldn't be a surprise that an expert in branding would be so good at articulating the importance of building a personal brand. Could you share, Dara, how our young listeners can start doing this right now? You've already begun down that path. Maybe even while they're still in school, how can they be building their personal brand so that when they get into the real world, they've actually got that narrative down? Yeah, it is something that I reflect on a, a great deal. So let's start with the basics of brand building, uh, personally or professionally. There are often three things, three components that we talk about in terms of building a brand. It's how you think or your positioning, if you will, how you act or your behaviors. And then third is how you communicate or your voice. Write those three things down on paper and start to really think about it. How do you think? What's your value add? What motivates you? What are some of the behaviors that are critical to you? And would people say are things that you do? Are you generous? Are you helpful? Do you go out of your way to have an impact on other people? Write down those behaviors. And then in terms of your voice, are you quieter? Are you louder? 
those are all things that will help you figure out ultimately who you are. And then you can start to evaluate as you enter into the world, am I being true to my brand? And one thing that's really important, and I think it's hard as people start in their careers, you might get lulled into trying to be everything to everyone. And what the best brands know is that your brand isn't for everyone. Your brand ultimately needs to be for yourself. And that's true as an individual. There's some people that you won't be their cup of tea. And you know what? That's okay. Your role isn't to try to become the brand for them. Your opportunity is to be the best brand for you that you can be. So stay true to yourself. And the more that you get to know yourself, the more effective you'll be. Wonderful. That is such great advice, Dora. I have a question for you that really resonates with me because we have both worked in multiple industries. And I know at various points in my own professional journey, even though I knew I had very tangible skills that I was bringing to the table in these different industries, there was still a lot that I had to learn. And at times, to be perfectly honest, I struggled with the imposter syndrome. And I have come to realize, Dara, just how common it is for high achievers to struggle with this. And because I know both you and I believe very strongly in taking risks and moving outside our comfort zones, I wanted to know if you've ever struggled with those feelings and maybe what advice you have to share with our young listeners about how they can manage those feelings, especially early in their careers. Oh, absolutely. I struggle. I have struggled with that. There are days and weeks where I struggle with it today. Quite frankly, the positions as you move up the ladder, you can move into some very lonely positions because there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. You're taking in a great deal of information. And it's not like your team members are going to come to you every day and go, wow, you're the greatest boss ever. And so although when that happens, that's, of course, a nice thing. It is very easy to become insecure. And so a couple pieces of advice. Number one, I've worked to surround myself with some cheerleaders who are both good at sharing constructive criticism with me, and they'll be really directive with me when sometimes I need that. But they're also on the sidelines cheering me on. And there are times where I just need to say, this is how I'm feeling, and I need you in my corner, and they are there. And that's incredibly reassuring. The other thing that I've realized too is that I can't look outside of myself for affirmation, that I need to be my own biggest cheerleader too, and that this is my journey and I have done some cool things in my career. I certainly have not been perfect, made mistakes along the way, tried not to make them again, and that I've been arguably somewhat successful and that I should enjoy that journey and be proud of myself and cheerlead myself along the way. And so I think that would be my second piece of advice is, is be your own biggest fan and cheerleader too, not in a cocky way, but in a way that creates inner confidence. Thank you so much for that, Dara. And Java Junkies, I hope you really take that in because Dara's candor about her own struggles 
it's coming from somebody who is a senior vice president and a chief communications officer at one of the top universities in this country. Remember her words when you're in your first jobs or later in your career, because in order to grow, you have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and you are naturally going to feel nervous, anxious, and challenged by those different experiences. So Dara, again, thank you so much. As I alluded to a few minutes ago, you were a history major at Indiana University. You said that you knew you wanted to go into journalism, but I also know you very much believe in taking the road less traveled. Why is that? I see life as a great adventure and particularly working in my field of storytelling, of brand building, of uh, unleashing human potential, which is a big part of what we do as leaders in any field. I think you have to go and experience different journeys and different pathways. All of the different experiences that I've had, be it the travel, be it working in different industries, have helped shape me into not only the individual I am, but the professional that I am. I think it's helped made me a better listener, more empathetic, not someone who sees in terms of black and white, but who really understands that there's gray and that you have to be able to look at when you're facing a challenge at it as an opportunity. I think, you know, just enjoying the journey rather than seeing a straight line makes not only your personal life, but your professional life so much more enjoyable. And isn't that what it's about at the end of the day? Absolutely. Oh my God. I'm giving you like a double high five, a virtual double high five. I am all about that. And the zigs and the zags and those unexpected curveballs, even when you fall flat on your face, my friends, those opportunities lead to greater joys. They really do. You know, Andrea, I'll tell you, I, I was talking to an individual who is a mentor of mine and arguably incredibly successful older gentleman who's now retired. But the height of his career, he was the CEO of a major healthcare organization and had 30,000 employees globally. So major responsibilities. And I said to him, how have you become so successful? And what he said to me is, I've made lots of mistakes along the way. I just didn't make them twice. And I think that's important advice. So as you have your missteps, as you make mistakes, as you head out on your journey, just recognize this isn't about a journey of perfection. It's an opportunity for you to explore and you will stumble and you will run off track. And that's just all part of it and part of what will ultimately make you successful. Speaking of stumbling, speaking of going off track, I try to ask all of my Time for Coffee guests about a time in their professional life when they struggled. Maybe you had a challenging boss or colleagues, maybe you were in over your head or for whatever reason, didn't have your sea legs yet. Can you share a quick story with us? about one of those times and how you persevered and maybe a lesson you learned in the process. As a person who builds things, including big global narratives and brands, I was working for an organization where 
we had to weave together one of those big stories that would link all of the different work that this organization did uh, across many countries. And that was going to be difficult to try to find the epic, if you will, versus sharing lots of little episodes, because we knew it was mission critical for us to build this global story. So not only was that difficult, but I'll tell you the harder piece was the organization didn't necessarily see the value in it, as is often the case in organizations might see brand as a four-letter word. And so there were a lot of naysayers in the organization. To a degree, behind closed doors, I was concerned we wouldn't be able to do it. But my job was to be the biggest champion for this. And so I had to pull myself up, uh, figure out the path forward, motivate a team to do it. And we just had to go out on a limb and believe it could be done. And I'll tell you, even though I couldn't necessarily see how we would get there, I was confident that we would. And I just kept saying, we're going to take the next step and take the next step and keep moving forward. And we did. And and I'll tell you, with this organization, uh, at the end of this brand building effort, we were named the number one brand and most beloved brand in our field uh, globally. I never would have said that that would happen, but I believed we could do it if we just stayed positive and kept moving forward. And I think that's the lesson, Andrea, which is sometimes you might not see every single step in the path, but believe in yourself, believe in your team, stay positive and solution-oriented you can make incredible things happen with the right kind of attitude and hard work. Oh, that is such a great story. And I think I know that organization. (laughs) So thank you so much for sharing. Final time for Coffee Question, Dar. If you could go back to college, back to the University of Indiana and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, what advice would you give yourself? Okay, so this might sound trite, but I would say enjoy the ride. And and I say that as a person who was clearly very ambitious and motivated and future oriented in college. I had a map in my room with lots of flags that showed all of the television markets that I was applying to. You know, if I could go back, I wish I could have lived in the present just a little bit more rather than being so focused on what would come next. And I'd say that that's good advice for any age which is there are magical, amazing things that are happening in your life and around you. And so take a moment to breathe it in, to enjoy where you are. Even if you're ambitious and motivated, the next step will happen. You don't need to rush to get there today. So enjoy. Those years are incredibly special times. And so make the most of every moment. So take those maps down. Take off the little flags. And live in the moment. I love it, Dara. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my coffee cup for making time for coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. You are such an exceptional professional and a really wonderful mentor for those young people at Syracuse University. Well, I feel so privileged to be in my position, to be a part of this incredible university and to be here with you, Andrea. You know, I have such respect for you and this has been a great opportunity. So thank you so very much. 
Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.